Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. We are here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of you thought, hey, we did that last week. And I want to remind you that every day uh, we gather together, we gather and celebrate uh, that there's a tomb that is empty and a throne in heaven that's occupied by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, So grateful uh, that you are here this morning. So grateful that uh, there is a a group that is connected online in our online campus, on Facebook, on YouTube. So grateful uh, for all of you. Uh, excited to dig into God's Word together. We are in First uh, Peter as we've been walking verse by verse through First uh, Peter chapter number 4. We are going to finish chapter number 4 uh, today. We're going to be reading here in just a few minutes, uh, beginning in, cha- in chapter 4, verse 12 through the end of the chapter. And so you can take your copy of God's Word and uh, join there. And we are finishing really a, a series that has been laden with just this reality that as followers of Jesus Christ in the midst of this broken world, uh, as the video declared, we face trouble. We face tribulation. We walk through difficult times. But uh, as was quoted in the video, John 16, Jesus said, you can take courage. You can uh, take heart because I've overcome this world. First uh, Peter really begins with just this thought, and he says that we have been uh, born again unto a living hope. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 3, uh, who has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And so we come today to proclaim that living hope, to talk about what it looks like as we walk through this broken world. And, and you know, one of the struggles that many times we have that, that all of us uh, really, every follower of Jesus Christ can have is, you know, where is God in the midst of suffering? How is it that in the midst of this broken world uh, that there's a God who loves us, right, and who uh, has called us according to his own glory and power, that, that, that he is uh, allowing us to walk through difficult times, how it is that uh, in the midst of the church that we find persecution, and really we live in a place where we don't experience Uh, very much of that, but we look around this world and we look at church history and we see many uh, who have given their very lives for the gospel, right, to stand for Jesus that said, you know what, we're not going to bow down no matter what things come our way. And and by the way, we are living in what many people are referring to more and more as a post-Christian society. It is no longer cool just to simply check the box Christian. Fact is, it may cause you uh, some type of persecution. We read in uh, the, the words of Jesus in Uh, The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name's sake. Uh, This is really a passage that could be really the the Beatitudes of suffering that we're going to look at. And and we're going to see, many of you remember the saying, when the going gets tough, what? The tough get going. And so, exactly. And and today we're going to say when the going gets tough, the church gets growing. And so we're going to see God has purpose in the midst of our pain. God has purpose in the midst of the things that he allows us to walk through. Uh, The very first part of chapter 4 talks about arming ourselves with that same purpose. It gives us this picture of of, uh, really just this this thought, right, of of, uh, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with this same purpose. And and we're going to continue just in that thought. We see uh, as suffering happens in the early church, as persecution happens, 
happens. We see as Paul began to ravage the church, right? Those believers were scattered, and uh, they were scattered but not silenced, right? They began to proclaim the gospel. We see uh, Paul even in prison. He said, I'm rejoicing as he... As he uh, wrote Philippians, he said, I'm rejoicing in my imprisonment because the gospel is progressing. He says, there are things that are going on that are difficult uh, in my life. But he said, the gospel is going forth and gospel progress is greater than anything. That, that in light of all Jesus has done in our place as we sung today, then he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship and he is worthy of our allegiance to him in the midst of this world. Let's jump into verse 12 uh, let's just read all the way through verse 19, and then we're going to break this thing down. I'll give you five things we see in here uh, in, in regards to the life of a believer as we face difficult times. Uh, let's jump in beginning in verse 12. Scripture says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, that you may rejoice with exultation, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed. But he is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And it begins, if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God. And it is, if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, Lord, for your word. And God, we thank you, Lord, in the midst of this broken world, Lord, that we have hope way beyond this world. God, that we've been born again into a living hope, Lord, that there's coming a day, Lord, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he's revealed in all of his glory, God, that your word tells us that, we'll too, that we two followers of Jesus Christ will be revealed with him in glory. God, so we pray this morning, Father, that no matter what people are facing in this room, no matter what things will come our way, Lord, as we sung last week, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Lord, as we think about uh, just the realities of the things that we walk through in this life, Lord, we can have courage, Lord, because you have overcome this world. Uh, the keys to death, hell, and the grave are so, Lord, we, we are your people, Father, and we have hope beyond these moments. Lord, I pray, God, that if there's anyone here that's never experienced your grace, God, that's never uh, been uh, transformed, God, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved Son, God, that this morning, Lord, that you might convict of sin, Lord, that your spirit might draw them, Lord, that they might see uh, their need, God, and they might respond, Lord, in surrender, God, in allegiance to you. Father, we love you, and we ask, Father, for your uh, blessing as we dig into your word, God. May you uh, change us, Lord, from the inside out. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So the first thing we see, he says, Beloved, don't be surprised uh, at that fiery trial that's coming. So we're, we're going to learn as we walk through today, and we talked last week just a little bit about this. We are to expect suffering on our journey home. Uh, we are uh, to expect suffering on the journey home. That's really our first point, first thing that we're going to see. Don't be surprised when you experience difficulties. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. And, and Peter says, listen, which comes up on you for your testing as though something strange was happening 
to you. He said, expect suffering on the journey home. We're not home yet. Verse 13, he says, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in God and of God rests on you. So we're to expect suffering on our journey and we're to exalt Christ in suffering. Point number two, we're to exalt Christ in suffering. This word exalt, it's this picture of leaping with joy. He said, rejoice when you experience difficulties. He says, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. This uh, picture that we are, are, are joy that we have the ability to live for Jesus and stand for him. We see the Lord suffered in our place on behalf of the believer and we Count it great honor that if we might stand for him and suffer for his name's sake. Verse 15, he says, Make sure, though, that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. So we're to expect suffering. We're to exalt Christ in the midst of suffering. We're to, we're to experience joy in the midst of those difficulties. But... But I want to remind you that all suffering is not spiritual suffering. All suffering is not suffering for Jesus. So we're to examine, number three, the reason for our suffering. Now, we said at the very beginning that when the going gets tough, the church gets growing. That when the going gets tough, Christians get growing. That God is working to conform us to the image of his son. James wrote, consider it joy the trials of your faith. In verse 3 of uh, chapter 1, James says this, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance, verse 4, have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This thought of being complete Uh, This thought that we would live our lives in such a way that when people see us, right, when the world that is around us engages with us, that there might be a a transformation in our lives from Jesus living on the inside, right? When Christ is on the inside, he makes a difference on the outside. And as we are conformed to his image, that we would be complete. Uh, This thought of being complete, being a, a person that displays the life and character of Christ as Christ lives his life, in and through us. We like to say that uh, following Jesus is not simply about us living for Jesus, but about Jesus living his life in and through us. And, and this word Christian, this thought of being a Christian, we demonstrate his life uh, in us he, as, he, as he lives in and through us. He said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, uh, you can do nothing, right? But as we abide in him, the scripture says that we bear much fruit. Galatians 5 gives us this list, right, of all these fruits of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness. And, and as Christ lives in us, as we abide in him, as we hold on to the vine, the life of Christ is pressed out in our life and we display Christ to this world. Now, I, I don't know about you, but Immediately when I came to faith in Christ, all of a sudden, uh, anybody become perfect in that moment? Like, and, and we're not there yet, right? I'm thankful that as that old uh, kid song says, that he's still working on me, right? That he is uh, making me what he wants 
to be. And this picture being complete, this picture being perfect uh, and complete in every respect, not lacking anything, with every area of life developed into Christ's likeness. And God is working to do that. God, God is, in fact, is, He's working in every part of our life to conform us to the image of Christ. And how we respond in the midst of this world to the difficult things that we face, to, to really everything, our perspective changes everything. Uh, one of our saints who's gone on to be with the Lord, there was a memorial service for Jerry York. And many of you remember Jerry he would worship with us here in Crossover. And uh, he had a memorial service yesterday in Florida and Jerry always used to tell me, he said, you know, he was facing cancer and he was walking through difficult times and he was just a great witness for the Lord. And everywhere he went, he was just telling people about Jesus. And he said, Jason, you've got two options in the midst of every trial. He said, they can make you bitter or they can make you better. And he said, I'm choosing, he said, better in the midst of it. And I'm proclaiming the goodness of who my Lord is. And he said, I know he's able to heal. I know he's able to work. He said, and I trust him in the midst of it. And he would ask, he said, would our trials, would they result in bitterness or a bitter or a better us? You know, I, I was reading this morning in our, our Bible reading app, and one of our newest uh, members had commented early this morning, and I was encouraged uh, by Danny Sweet, who uh, just been so blessed to have the Sweet family with us and just their encouragement along the way. But he, he wrote this. He said, the Bible says, those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but the persecutors will have to stand before God. No one enjoys suffering. However, suffering may be part of God's plan for us, and we know that His plan is perfect. If we are made better and more faithful servants to Christ through our suffering, then why would we not want to suffer? Well, walking by faith in the midst of suffering takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? You know, it's hard. None of us want to go through difficult things. We avoid pain at really all costs. We don't want to walk through those things. But I look back in my life, and many of the times of the greatest growth in my life were times that I was walking through something difficult. You know, Paul says this momentary light affliction. He said it's working a far exceeding weight of glory in the eternal. And he says, therefore, don't lose heart. Those people, they, they struggled the same way we did in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficult times. And they questioned those things. They said, hey, uh, though the outward man is perishing, he said, there's a renewal that's taking place on the inside. And, and he said, we don't lose heart in the midst of those things. You know, we were reading in, in James, and he says, let endurance have its perfect work, work, verse 4, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then verse 5, he said, but if any of you lack wisdom... And we quote this verse a lot, like when we're thinking about like what's going on in life and, and, you know, I'm struggling with understanding something or those kind of things. And we say, well, you know, James 1, 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who uh, gives uh, generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so I want to remind you that that verse is in the midst of this context of saying, why am I walking through the midst of these trials? James is saying, hey, consider it joy, the trials of your faith, they're working. And he says, hey, if anyone lacks wisdom, if you're in the midst of a trial, if you're in the midst of a difficult time, and, and you're lacking understanding in that, James says, hey, ask the Father, what are you doing in my life? What is it? And, and not saying that, that, that all this, you know, a lot of times we're in trials because of something stupid we did, Right? 
But, but God still uses, aren't you glad that God even uses the messes in our life and the mistakes and the, the sinful things and all those things? And God still continues to work in that. But he says, God, what is it that you want to shape in me to look like Jesus? And that is a question, that, that, that is a prayer, right, that God will answer. When we uh, ask God to search our heart and reveal to us uh, any way that, that's not walking in him, he is faithful every time I pray that to reveal much more than I even uh, imagine. And so sometimes we're walking through hard times. So he says we need to examine our suffering. And sometimes it's because of something we did. Uh, many of you were part of our date night on Friday. We had just an incredible time. Appreciate those that served and those that were part of that. And just want to encourage you to be on the lookout for that. We had just an incredible time, a scavenger hunt, all those things that were going on. And that night, uh, the night before, I had 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 a little injury that was causing me to hobble around a little bit. And some people had asked me what's going on. And um, this morning I'm able to walk around a little bit better and it's not quite um, as, uh, as difficult there. But on that night, uh, and so they were asking, and I'll, I'll tell you just a little bit of the story. So on Thursday night, um, we were uh, at home and all of a sudden, I guess it was like 11-ish, maybe a little later than 11 uh, that night, we had a visit from a um, sheriff's deputy at our house, and, you know, Sherry had gotten in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. She had not. Um, just kidding. So, so, we, so we had a, a deputy show up at our house, and that does, that's not a normal thing that really takes place all the time. And they had stopped by just to let us know of something going on, you know, down the road a little bit, nothing major. And, but, you know, anytime that happens, it kind of gets your attention a little bit. And so um, not too long after that, we have an internet problem, you know, and I, I mean, if you ever watch any movies, this is the way it always goes down, right? It's just like, <laughs> and so, and so I'm like, the internet's out, and the way we've got our internet set up, it kind of comes through this antenna at the end of the road, I've got it ran through the basement, and then I've got it on a little piece there, so I climb up on my ladder, I'm rebooting the router, I'm thinking that is all that is necessary in this moment, I can see there's internet coming in, so I turn this thing off, I get it rebooted, I'm kind of waiting on it to come back on, I'm up on this ladder, and all of a sudden I hear the most blood-curdling screams coming from above me that I've ever heard in my entire life, and it starts with hope, and, and I, I want you to understand something, this girl's got some lungs on her right here, and, and she is screaming with like the most fear that I've ever heard come from anybody, I think, I mean, it was just like, so I hear that, then all of a sudden I hear Sherry come right behind her, and there's this frantic scream, right? And in the midst of that, like, I've, I've watched those movies before. Like, I'm, I know what's going down right now, you know? And so, so there's that scream. Our dog is going, I'm got me. and he's like this long, but he's, he sounds like, and this is like through insulation and floor, and so I can't make out anything, but in my mind, I'm confident that somebody has come in my house. And like, my heart, like, is to tell people about Jesus and help them meet him all the time, but that day, like, I thought I was going to have to help them, like, quickly meet him, right? Like, <laughs> like I mean, you know. And so I'm, I'm a little anxious in this moment, right? I'm like redneck Rambo. And so I jump off, I jump off this ladder and it's like slow motion in that moment, but I hear them then all of a sudden run through the house and you can hear the screams and then you hear the, like the thuds on the floor and, and I like almost flew. I don't know how many steps I actually stepped on getting upstairs, but I'm confident that I was moving pretty quickly. And so I come in uh, to our uh, utility room and I see Sherry and she's like emotional and all these things are going on. And I immediately look at her and I said, where is he? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like adrenaline is up right here, right? I'm serious in this moment. And she says, he's in the bedroom. 
So I'm like, even more adrenaline. You know, this is serious. And so I run into the bedroom, and all I find is my little yapping dog who's peed and pooped everywhere. Right? It's like, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, And she says, he's electrocuted. And so this little dog has, has chewed into an electric cord and has gotten, he's, he lived. It's okay to laugh. And so he, like, I don't want y'all feeling bad like he died. Quit laughing. No, he's fine. But he's locked onto this thing. <laughs> Which is not good, and uh, but it's kind of good from where I was, you know. Like I'm thinking, <laughs> and so, so he's like being electrocuted. He finally gets off this thing. He runs through the house. They chase behind him. I pick him up, right? I'm like holding him. I've got like my calf. Like I thought I just had a cramp, like I did back in the day in football. And at that point, like before that, I hadn't felt everything. But after I figured out like the dog's alive, he's a little yelping and gross. But he's. <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure if I got a hold of that, I'd have done the same thing. So I'm not picking on that guy. He like, I'm trying to filter it. They're shaking their head. Don't do it. I'm trying to see the sound booth. <laughs> so Danny heard the story. I'm going to blame it on him. He said he was all right, except he had some third degree burns. It was it. So, all right. <laughs> all right, I'm done. So, so I have this, this cramp. Um, it's really bad. So I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking it's a cramp. At that time, I'm like, I'm holding the dog. I'm like, somebody going to have to rub my leg, right? I'm like struggling. And Sherry and I, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, coming off this thing. My, my leg doubles in size like within 10 seconds. That's not spiritual suffering. That's because I'm a goober. Um, and I jumped off a ladder and I ran upstairs and we live in this weird, crazy world, right? And, and, and so... We walk through things. We have consequences for those things. Y'all remember when I had the splint on my arm because I fell through the trampoline? Like, like I'm 40-something. I have no business being on the trampoline uh, doing that. That's just the reality. Or when I had the skateboarder, all those kind of things, right? You, you walk through those kind of things. And sometimes it's because of just silliness. And, and Peter writes, though, and he's writing in this, and he said, sometimes... It's because of our sin. And he, he wants us to understand if we suffer as a Christian, as we suffer as someone who follows Christ, that's one thing. But he says, make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. He says, make sure that none of you suffer for those kind of things. We're not to suffer for that. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, right, he elevated this thought of what it looked like to be a murderer. It's what it looked like to commit adultery. It's what it looked like to be a, an evil doer. And, and in fact, we're not to unjustly uh, be angry or demean another person, that we're that type of person. And a believer is not to suffer as a thief, no matter what he's, like, like no matter how much he needs something or what's there or how small it is. And that includes, like, right, we're supposed to work, right? We should look, and followers of Jesus Christ, he's been calling us to pursue holiness and to look different, right? We should be a different people as followers of Jesus Christ. And our workplaces should see believers. We, we shouldn't steal time. We shouldn't steal all those kind of things. Our, our lives, right, should reflect to this world people that are serving someone that is out of this world, right, that we are serving our great God. And, and, and we are going to navigate that way. He says the believer is not to suffer as an evildoer. He's not to suffer as a lawbreaker. And, and we know what those kind of things mean. And then he lumps in there this troublesome meddler. I'm thinking, what is a troublesome meddler? Now, some of you are thinking, I know what a troublesome meddler is. I mean, you can like, you think that of that person maybe that 
is around this word. It's an interesting word. In the Greek, it's a, it's a hopax is what it's called. It's a time that it's only used one time in all the New Testament. So when you try to figure out what this means in other things, it's only used this one time. So Peter's kind of making up a word right here. He's like, okay, there's, a, there's this thing that I'm going to address. And, and as the Holy Spirit speaks to him, he, he gives this word for this troublesome meddler. And it's this word, episcopos is what the word is. And so alos, which is this word that would mean another, trace, which is a word for man, and then episkopos, which is a word that we get in the scripture from like bishop or overseer. It's this allotreispiscopos, and he gives us this picture of another man's overseer. And so he gives this picture of somebody that is sticking their nose in somebody else's business, right? That's kind of what, it's kind of the none your bizwax, mind your own business word in the New Testament. And so he, he gives this picture of someone who's looking over, someone who's intruding, to other things and, and being in that. And we, we know those kind of things, right? And he says that we're to be people. And when we look at the Scripture, he says that God's people are to be people that are living for him, that are looking different than this world, that are honoring him, that are not to be suffering because of stupid things that we did. Like, I, I mean, I get what it looks like to suffer the consequences of stupid things. I've done that in my life. I understand what that looks like. When I was in college, I ended up uh, suffering at the animal shelter doing community service because I made a stupid decision, right? Those things we have consequences for that we make decisions. Those are things that happen in our lives. But he says that as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that the, the time in our past is enough for following the things of this world and that we're to live different. First Thessalonians 4, Paul wrote, and he says this, he says, we're to make it our ambition. So when we think about our ambition, this is our desire. As followers of Jesus Christ, this should be the ambition of all of us, right, is to live a quiet life, right? A lot of times we don't think about this heart of leading a quiet life. That's where he talks about praying for those who are in authority. And there's this heart that we might live in a place that would, would be a place where it would be uh, fruitful and, and, and available and, and where the gospel could go forth. And he says, our desire as Christ followers should be to live a quiet life and attend to our own business, to work with our hands as we've commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. So he says, we're to live in a way where we, we live a quiet life, we work hard, we behave properly toward those that are outside. So all of us, as we gather in here, we gather as the church and we spur one another along, we encourage one another along. Scripture says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, right? And we're to spur one another along unto good works. And so we gather as the body of Christ and we're sent on mission uh, as we go out for the glory of his name. And as we do that, our lives should continually be reflecting Christ in a way that opens doors for people to know him, right? We have, we have greeters and people that are uh, serving in our church on a host team and they open doors and they uh, allow, right, this, this coming into our church. And there's this picture of we want to be those kind of people in the way that we live our lives that are opening doors for others to see and know Jesus Christ. So we're to behave properly toward them. Second Thessalonians 3 says this, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all but acting like busybody. So he's, he's, Paul's writing to those churches. He says, hey, there's no room for that in the body of Christ. We're to be people that are living a quiet life, that we're sharing the good news of the gospel. And, and he says, we don't want to suffer for those kind of things, right? For stupid things that we do. We don't want to suffer for being an evildoer for our sin. But then he says, if we suffer, right, because we're a Christian, and, and we're going to look at that, but there's no room for busybodies in the body because that destroys the body. Right? There's no room for those kind of things. I wonder 
you know, we think about our tongue, and I think that's why he engaged in this and why he brought some of these things in. We, we struggle sometimes. We say, you know what, I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not stealing. I'm not doing this or that. But, man, we can find ourselves talking about things that we shouldn't talk about. We can find ourselves slandering or gossiping or getting in other people's business and sharing those kind of things, right? We, we can find ourselves in those kind of places. I remember a few weeks back we uh, were talking about the tongue, and I made a comment. I said that the world's most dangerous animal, right, is caged by ivory bars and clay doors. And one of our young families uh, shared with me after. They were like, you know, we got after we were eating our lunch that day, and uh, our, our son said, hey, um, what was that ivory door? What animal? He, you know, I didn't quite get that. And so I was talking about the tongue and how, you know, God's given us these lips and our teeth, and we have this, this cage that we can hold them in. And, and James would tell us, hey, that the, 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 the tongue no man can tame, right? We can't do that on our own. It's only Christ in us that can do that. But he ex- explained to him that. And he said later that meal that they were eating, and maybe the, the, one of the parents had gotten on to him a little bit and said, hey, you know, you need to finish your meal. You need to do that. And so the little boy uh, just all of a sudden sounded the alarm. <laughs> Breach of security, breach of security, right? And, and many times, how many times in our week, right, do we need that kind of alarm to go off uh, in our lives in the power of the Spirit that would say, you know what, we've got to be careful what's coming out that our lips and our lives that they match, that we desire to live this quiet life, that we desire to engage in sharing the good news of the gospel. And I wonder, what if Jesus came back in the midst of our conversations over the past couple of weeks? What would it look like if Jesus had come back in the midst of that locker room conversation or in the midst of the work, whatever those dynamics, right? And we want to be found faithful when he comes. People living disciplined lives, minding our own business, loving our neighbor. And Peter goes on, verse 16, he says, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but he is to glorify God in this name. He says, if anyone's to suffer because they're standing for Jesus and they're sharing the good news of who he is. Man, they're glorifying God in the midst of difficult times. They're glorifying God in the way that they face persecution or difficulties. Uh, They're doing this. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should wear the name of Christ proudly. And, and there's some of us, the reality is that, that our lives aren't reflecting what we proclaim with our lips on a Sunday morning, right? Our Saturday night might not be matching our Sunday morning. And the reality is that we either need to change our name or change our behavior because we are representing Jesus Christ to this world. And he stretched his arms out on a cross in our place, not so we could continue to live in sin, but so that we could experience the power of the gospel and so that Christ would live his life in and through us. And we are to be people whose lips and lives match and who wear his name, right, and, and would proclaim the goodness of who he is. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation for the Greek and to the Jew, right? For, for, for all, right? That, that it is the power of the gospel. And we're to live our lives unashamed of the gospel. Did, did you notice when he says in verse 15, uh, or excuse me, verse, uh, verse 14, he says, For if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. You know, when we share the good news of the gospel, when we declare the goodness of Jesus, there's going to be some people that are going to receive that greatly. There are going to be some people that, that we're going to see embrace the gospel. And if we share the gospel, we'll see people that come to faith in Christ. We'll see those kind of things. We're also going to see people reject the gospel. And he says, blessed are you when you're reviled for my name's sake. You know, I can remember before I came to Christ, I can remember this as vivid as anything. I was at an, an event um, called Bell Share that used to take place in Asheville. And 
I can remember being there with um, some of my friends, and, and we were doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And I remember this oriental lady that was on the side of a corner, right? And she was, she was just the sweetest lady that you could ever imagine, right? And she was standing there with tracts, and as we would walk by, she would hand every one of us a gospel tract. She would hand us this gospel tract, and we would look at her, and I can remember taking this gospel tract in that moment, right? And I remember crumpling it up, and I threw it on the ground, and I can remember the words that she said in that moment. She said, there's a better way. And I can imagine, man, and it breaks my heart, right, that that's who I was at that moment, right? Blessed are you when you were involved for my name's sake. There's going to be a day, man, that I'll be able to stand before somebody. And God is blessing. And, and, and those that reject Christ, one day they'll stand before a righteous judge. It's not our job to judge them. They'll stand there. But then Peter says that it's time that judgment, said in this season, comes to the house of God. Let's, let's jump back in um, here. He says in in verse 17, he said, For it's time that judgment begins with the household of God, and it begins with us first. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Can I remind you that non-Christians don't act like Christians? And I'll never forget a lesson I learned early in my walk with Christ. A pastor was with me, and we were around some folks that uh, used to be um, people that I I hung out with. And and as I saw them, uh, they began to share and talk and cuss and just were saying things that were awful, and this pastor was with me, and I was embarrassed. I just want you to know, and I was, I was ashamed that they were using that kind of language in front of this man that, um, you know, I looked up to and all these things that were there, and I'm just like, man, I'm feeling terrible in this moment because obviously they know me, and they're sharing those kind of things. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget this. It was a penetrating thing to my heart. He said, Jason, I can see that you're really bothered right now, but he said, I, I want you to know, he said, that doesn't bother me at all, which made me think, like, who is this guy? What, he's not bothered by that language? What's wrong with him? I'm like, I, did you hear them? Like, is he, did, but I can remember him looking at me, and he said, lost people, he said, those people are lost people, and he said, they're doing what lost people do. He said, they need Jesus, and they need the love of Jesus, and they need to hear about the good news of Jesus. He said, but if I'd come in here, and you were carrying on like that, and you were saying those kind of things, he said, it would have broken my heart. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to take serious the holiness of God. We need to take serious our pursuit of his holiness. We need to understand that as God is working in our lives, that he's using even the difficult things. He's using everything in our life to conform us to the image of his son. And, and we, as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, you know, we sung that uh, song Gethsemane, and I love that song so much, In Our Place, right? We, we see this kind of 2 Corinthians 5 picture where uh, we see Jesus, it says, He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And as we place our faith and trust in, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness of Christ is given to us, credited to our account. We are made right with a holy God, not because of our works, but because of the finished work of the cross. But as we shared earlier, we didn't become perfect in that moment. And God works through the difficult things. He works through the good things. He works through everything in our life to conform us to the image of his son. And so what's true of us positionally in that moment is we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we are made right with God and we are able to go into the very presence of God. If we were to die in those moments, right, we would be able to be in his presence and he would see us as the righteousness of Christ. What's true of us positionally when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, then daily he begins to work out practically in our life. 
He begins to change us. He begins to work in our life in a way that makes that true practically. And he says it's time for judgment to begin at the house of God. Don't think of this as like condemnation judgment. Don't think of that. But it's this picture of discerning the righteous from the unrighteous. And Peter's saying, hey, as trouble comes and as difficulty comes, God is purging and he is testing and he is working. And as we walk through those things, that this fire and these difficult times, that it reveals who is really his, that it reveals a true church. It's no longer cool, like I shared earlier, to be a cultural Christian. It's no longer cool just simply to check that box. But those who will gladly check that box and proclaim the good news of Jesus, who will engage with lost people who are walking down a wrong road in their hope, is not uh, to point at them and, and identify every sin, but to allow them to see that they are sinners in need of a Savior and to share the news, right? We reveal their sin, right? We, we, we need to do that, and we reveal ours, right? We, we love to say here that we are to love sinners and hate our sin. It's completely different. I've heard for years, love sinners and hate their sin. I want you to know something. If you'll love sinners and you'll hate your sin and you'll allow them to see how you've been changed by the grace of God and your great love for them, man, it changes everything. And you allow them to see their sin, their need for for a Savior and run to the gospel, run to the cross, declare the good news of who he is. He says this, listen, God will ultimately judge the ungodly and it's not our job. Persecution purifies. The trouble that we go through purifies, purifies. Verse 18, he says, If it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? It's interesting in uh, the New American Standard, when you see all caps in the text, in the New Testament, it means that he's quoting something that was in the Old Testament. So he shares this. He says, If it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? And, and I want you to understand, he is encouraging us as we think about what's happening to the godless man in the center. It reminds us of our call to go and share the good news of who Jesus is. It, it's this picture that we, regardless of suffering, see, we are to evangelize the lost even if it leads to suffering, even if it leads to being reviled, even if it leads to somebody crumpling it up a track in front of you and throwing it down, even if it leads to somebody smarting off you, even if it leads to somebody saying negative things about you, even if it leads to you not fitting in uh, in your school, even if it, it leads to being persecuted and whatever those things take place. He said, we're to evangelize the lost. We are to share the good news, even if it leads to suffering. He quotes Proverbs eleven thirty one, which says this, if the righteous will be rewarded in the earth. Man, when I think about a reward, I'm thinking about something good, right? It's kind of the same picture of when the, the wages of sin is death, something that we earn, wages, we think of good, but death is what that's talking about. It's kind of this negative connotation. And so it says that if the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Judgment is coming to those that don't know Christ. And you and I, Jesus has given us, he's given us a command, right, to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news of who he is, to preach and teach, right, to, to, to baptize those in the name of Jesus. He said that, that when he is, and he says, that, he, says a bit, he says in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said, you're not going to be doing this in your own strength, right? You're not going to be walking in your own. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. And a witness is someone who's standing and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, right? We, we, we do that even if we face difficulty. And it's time that God's people do not bow down to the things of this world and, and begin to share the good news of who he is, that we are not so afraid of what somebody might say to us that we allow people to, to, to die and go 
to, to a place prepared for the devil and his angels, right? That we, we care so little about them that we are so afraid of being rejected and so afraid of being persecuted that we would allow them to burn in hell rather than to share the good news of who he is and to face some kind of persecution. How much more evil could we be to withhold the gospel and sharing the good news of who he is? Yeah, 2 Thessalonians, which is our Bible reading for today, actually, chapter 1. I want to read just a couple of verses, and, and we're closing. But he says, Therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. It's time that judgment comes to the household of God, that we would be a people sincere about pursuing Christ, that we'd be people that as we walk together, you know, Galatians 6 says that if we see a brother who's overtaken in a fault that you are a spiritual, right, should restore that person in the spirit of meekness, right, that we should be engaging. Judgment should come to the household of God, that it begins in his sanctuary. I believe it's in Ezekiel 6, right, where he's talking about judgment. He says, hey, begin in my sanctuary. As he was talking about judging Israel and looking at those people, he says, hey, it begins in my sanctuary. Let us begin with the people of God. And as we look at a nation who has turned its back on God and who is filled with sin, we need to let judgment begin in the household of God. And it's through the purifying fires and the things that we walk through that God's church is revealed that those who are his that those that are following him are revealed and he says then that is the type of judgment that we look not at, at a lost world who's going we can't change the culture by simply saying you need to act like jesus followers when you're not a jesus follower it is only the gospel that changes the heart it is only god who can change sinners and transform and we're to proclaim the good news of his gospel scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so we live our lives our lips and our lives matter and we proclaim the good news of the gospel. It has to be together. You can't just simply have one. You must have those two, and they match. And he says this, verse 19, we're done. He says, therefore, those who also suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And so finally, we entrust our life to the one who gave us life. To the faithful creator. The only time in the New Testament that that wording is used. And, and what Peter is saying in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says you're walking through this broken world. You're facing difficulty. Things are coming. But we want you to know that we have a faithful God. And our faithful God is good. And he is working even when you can't see it. This word in trust. It's this banking word. It's this picture of a deposit. It's this picture of us taking our money and putting it in the bank. And we put it in there and we say well you know what? We entrust that it's okay to be there because we know that in this, this bank or in this place that, that there is a, uh, the FDIC insures it or whatever and up to a certain amount that if you put your money in this place, you can trust that it's going to be there, right? And so we believe that and we invest and we entrust these resources in that place, believing that it is a secure place that we can place that. Now, around this part, you can probably find money buried in a jar all over the place because there's people who want to, I ain't trusting them with nothing, right? I mean, there's that kind of thought. But, but Peter says that, that we can entrust our lives into a faithful God and that we can know that no matter what things we face in this life, that we have a God who is good and a God who is loves us. And, and no matter what trials, no matter what circumstances, you can have courage because Jesus has overcome this world and we are entrusting our lives into a God who loves us. And when we wander in the midst of our circumstances, we look to the cross and we see his great 
love. And that's our challenge today, that we might, as followers of Christ, that we might entrust our lives, that we might say, you know what, I'm not going to bow down to the things of this world, and I'm going to be a people who shares the good news of the gospel, that, that lives my life in a way that helps others to know him, that opens doors for others to be able to see and hear the good news of who he is. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? We're going to ask the band to come, and we're going to just worship together uh, this morning. And if you have never uh, just trusted Jesus, maybe you're here uh, this morning, and you recognize that because of your sin, you're separated from a holy God, right? That the wages of our sin is death, and, and that we are separated from God. Maybe you recognize this morning, maybe the, the Spirit of God has revealed to you that you are separated from Him and on your way to hell, that you've never trusted Jesus for salvation. Scripture says that, that we're all sinners, that every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God, but that God demonstrated His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us in our place. He took on all of our sin and all of our shame. And through believing and trusting, through entrusting our lives, right, going all in, saying, God, all that I have is yours. Lord, I'm broken and I'm a mess. God, blessed are the poor in spirit, those that recognize their condition, those that understand their need, those that God has revealed that to in the power of his spirit. You say, God, I trust you. Lord, I know that it is only through the work of the cross. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, right, that we believe and, and know that he is in charge and not us, that he is Lord. Believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. That Jesus came, that he lived the sinless life, that he died in your place, in my place, on that cross. That he was placed in a barred tomb and on the third day that he rose from the grave. That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we could be saved. And maybe this morning you've never trusted Jesus. You've never called on his name. He says you can entrust your life to the one that created it, the one that gave you life. And this morning, I want to challenge you just to surrender your very life to him. If, you're, if you don't know Jesus, we invite you. We'd love to take God's word and just point you to him. If you're a believer this morning, maybe your Saturday night hasn't been matching your Sunday morning. Maybe you've been bowing down in the pressures of this world. Maybe you're like Peter, who when confronted as Jesus had been arrested and Going through these trials, Peter would deny him, say, I don't even know him. Peter knew what it felt like to cave. He knew what it felt like to give in to the pressures of this world. But he came face to face with the risen Jesus, and he was empowered and emboldened by his spirit. And when confronted with denying Jesus, he said, I'll give my life. History tells us that he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way as Jesus and Maybe you're a believer that just says, God, I need your power in my life. God, I need your spirit to give me strength. Lord, that I may not bow down to the things of this world, that I might live for you. However God speaks to your heart this morning, I pray you'll be obedient and that you might live all in. That you might entrust your life. That you might evangelize it, even if suffering comes, even if it results in being ridiculed, even if it results in persecution. That you might take serious the call to share the good news of who he is. And to stand for him no matter what. Father, we love you. We ask God for you to do what only you can do in this place, God. That you might send us out on mission for the glory of your name, God. Or that you might God, cause us to be bold. 
but gentle. Because you might cause us to love those, God, that to see people as you see them, got a harvest that's plentiful. God, may you send workers out. God, we love you. We, we pray, God, for, for your plan, your purpose, God, for your work to take place among us, Lord, as we worship you, as we close. Father, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.